You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hi, Joe's Nation. Steven here, and welcome to episode 12 of Sustainable Joe's 2084, the best place for business and sustainability talk out there. I'm really excited to share this episode with you today because our subject matter affects you each and every day, and yet you might not fully know exactly what it means. However, before we get there, I have a few announcements. First, thank you to everyone who has supported our crowdfunding campaign to date. I'm content to share we've reached 30% of our funding goal. We're confident we've made the most sustainable greeting cards in the world. In fact, to illustrate impact, yesterday we released a video with my business partner, Alexandra, pushing a car 433 feet. Why? Because not only do we plant two trees for every one card we sell, but every card also diverts 433 feet of driving. You can watch the video on our Sustainable Joe's Facebook page, and you can find the link to our crowdfunding campaign in this episode's show notes. If you own a company or know someone who does, please send us a message. Our cards will be perfect for you. Small cards, big impact, sustainable future. We can only scale this product and bring it into reality if you buy it. Now for today's episode. I sit down with Monica Patel, Director of Programs and Communication at the Forest Stewardship Council. I'm sure you've probably seen their logo on the back of almost every envelope these days. However, do you know what that logo means? FSC is one of the world's largest NGOs out to protect our global forests. Some big takeaways from this episode include the value of a forest, the role consumers have to play, how to get opposing sides to work together and find middle ground, how to successfully balance multi-stakeholder interest, how ecosystem services fit into all of this, and the future of forestry. When you think about the intersection of our natural world and business-based society, this is an episode sure to add value. As always, we will play a song from Wolf Saga in full at the end of the episode as Johnny lets us use his music in the podcast for free. So stay tuned for that and thank you, Johnny. This episode was recorded live at CoPower's downtown Toronto headquarters. And I want to say a quick thank you to CoPower. CoPower brings together the best of impact investing, clean energy, and fintech. They are an investment company that issues green bonds, but we're not talking about government bonds that pay 1% to 2%. CoPower's five-year green bonds offer 5% annually while helping support the development of clean energy across North America. Think solar, geothermal, LED retrofits, projects that help you fight climate change and that you'll feel good about investing in. Learn how to put the planet in your portfolio by visiting copower.me. Lastly, I know my mom listens to every episode and I'm recording this intro exactly a year after my grandfather passed away. I just want to say, I love you, mom. Now it's time for today's episode, my conversation with Miss Monica Patel of the Forest Stewardship Council. I hope you enjoy. Well, I think this is an interesting question. It's the reason why um, we actually don't use the word sustainable in our organization. And the reason why is because we're not going to be here in the future to know that it's sustainable. We like to use the word responsible because we're trying to do the best thing for our future, but we don't really know what the result will be. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow. 
creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it today. Hi, Monica Patel. Hello. Can everybody hear okay? My voice starts to project later. I'll start talking louder. You don't want it to go louder than this. Okay. <laughs> so thank you for sitting down with us today. Um, we must mention, because we had announced it earlier in the podcast, uh, that Andrew Tremblay, the chairman of the board for FSC, was scheduled to be here as well. However, his son was involved in an accident last night, and he's currently in the hospital, so our thoughts are, are with Andrew and his family. Uh, as for you, Ms. Patel... <laughs> You work for FSC, the Forest Stewardship Council. Quick show of hands, who's heard of FSC before? Okay, so about, I'd say 50% of the room. Uh, they're a global NGO, for those of you who don't know what FSC is, uh, and they're working to protect forests for all forever. Uh, you got that right this time. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when we were going over through our discovery call, I did not say it in that, in that order. The, the, my, the alliterative manner was not the same. I think I said forever for all, yeah, forever. So. so you joined FSC Canada in 2008 and you're currently the Director of Programs and Communication. Mm -hmm. uh, for everyone listening to this podcast, why should forests matter to them? And why do forests matter to you? So it's interesting, when people think about a forest, I don't think people really can put their mind around it. They think trees, they're like, yeah, maybe there's a couple of animals in there. But I don't think people really understand what a forest actually is. And, and I don't think I got it. So I'm not a forester. I should tell you this off the bat. I do nothing in the forest itself. But I work for an organization that certainly works around the forest with the people and in the forest itself. What, forest, what a forest actually is, is it's not just the trees. I think there are certainly animals that live in there as well, but there's people that live in the forest. Um, a lot of people don't know that uh, about 80% of Aboriginal peoples in Canada actually live in the forest. Really? Yeah. Um, there's also people who work in the forest, so their daily jobs depend on the trees being there. And so when I think of what a forest is, I think it's multiple things. I don't think it's just the trees, it's not the animals, it's so much more than all of that. And I'll, I'll go into a lot more of how much forestry impacts us, but. Well, let's take a step back for a second. Like, yeah. But again, so forests, obviously they impact people's lives, um, but why do they matter to you? To me. I mean, as an employee of S FSC, I, I assume, like what was well, your one, path? Well, it gives me a job. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but beyond that, I mean, you could get yeah. a job anywhere. Yeah. Why, why pick FSC? So just so you know a little bit about me, um, my background is in corporate communications and I started working for a, an IT company and I absolutely hated it. I could not stand going into work every day knowing I was not making a difference in the world. And so when FSC came along, I thought, well, you know, I've worked for organiz other organizations before that made a difference. I've worked for organizations like Greenpeace and WWF. Um, or even humanitarian organizations like World Vision and others like those. So how could I take what I was really passionate about into something that'll actually pay me, tie it into my communications work? And when I found FSC, it was, I call it the, I call it like a rabbit hole. So you get the surface level, you know it's the rabbit's home, but as you go deeper, you realize it's this like complex condo for this rabbit that just like is beyond your wildest imaginations. So let's and take so, a look at that con condo, this complex condo. condo. Okay. Like well, what does that look like in the real world? Okay. So the condo not only includes 
I'm not. I'm gonna lose the condo. Forget the condo. Perfect. <laughs> Let's discard that. The condo is gonna get complicated. Let's just as an organization. And we're gonna go into furniture. Forget it. Okay. Um, so FSC is an organization. So what we do? Why do we exist? We're trying to keep our forests for all forever. And I want to emphasize all of those words because we use the word for all because as I said, there's people that work there, there's people that live there, and then there's also animals who can't speak for themselves who need someone else to speak for them. And maybe this is where I'll go a little into our history. In the 90s, there was this huge awareness of deforestation. You know, there are forests being torn down all around the world and even here in Canada. I learned recently that um, Canada's largest civil uh, civil disobedience act was actually where 900 people got arrested in Clackwood Sound, which was over deforestation. And that was all in the early 90s, where people were just upset about animals' homes being destroyed, trees being cut down, and nobody really caring. It was during this time that a group of people got together in California, and this group of people was really distinct. It was the people like scientists, you had environmentalists, you had First Nations people, um, you also had laborers and workers sitting together in a room saying, how do we each get what we want, but still improve or keep our forest intact so that we still can have our jobs and have our homes and keep the habitat there? So they sat around, they thought of this concept, and you know, they thought of something called forest certification, but they didn't really know what it would be. And so they eventually, in 1992, ended up going to the UN uh, Rio summit. They proposed the idea there, hoping something big would happen, uh, that everyone would band together, and that you know, people would sign up, and it would be this imaginative thing that we could expand all over the world. It didn't work out. Nobody actually took it up in 1992. Okay. So instead, they got together, uh, in Toronto, actually, and founded this thing called the FSC. So the FSC to them was, how do we balance all of these things? How do we prevent this war in the woods from continuously happening? How do we create some sort of harmony? How do you balance that? I mean, because when you look at the, the partners you just highlighted, I mean, you, yeah. you talked about you know, in, indigenous people, you talked about laborers, uh, you talked about scientists and environmentalists. I assume those are activists. You know, how do you balance the interests because I imagine many of us here you know we work in in industries where there's many different interests involved I don't know many more that are, are as varied as yours mm -hmm. how do you successfully balance those interests and how do you you grow engagement so success takes a lot of years with those groups <laughs> <laughs> a lot of years um, and it wasn't something that happened overnight I mean I, again this started in the 90s and we didn't really get it off the ground until the 2000s so it took us you know nearly a decade for of discussion of putting people in the same room and saying well how much can you give a little bit and can this group give a little bit and I think one of the, the, the First Nations chiefs said it best he goes you know we all give a little bit but at the end of the day we can live with it and so they came, up, they came about a way of creating consensus between the groups where they're willing to give up a little bit to get what they want. Fair enough. So for a little bit of context, let's take a step back and, if, and talk about the health of our, our forests globally. Mm -hmm. So how healthy would you say our forests currently are in, in a global scale? I think it depends on what country you're talking about. You look at places like uh, Europe and North America, and our forests are actually not that bad. You look at places like South America, Africa, and Indonesia, or mainly tropical forests, where our forests are essentially being devastated. How many acres does FSC 
tangibly protect. Okay, so here's a whole bunch of numbers for you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's 190 million hectares certified globally. So that's a wonderful number. Um, in Canada, we have 50 million of that. So if you want to practically think about what 50 million hectares actually is, imagine taking the entire country of Spain and putting it all together and then plopping it and distributing it around Canada. That would be the current size of certified forests for FSC in Canada. When we talk about the health of forests globally, and we talk about FSC certification mm -hmm. and forests being, you know, when, when we look at tropical forests, maybe from a political standpoint, they're not as, uh, or they're allowed to be harvested more aggressively. And when we talk about North America and Europe, there, there's a little more regulation. Does the FSC certification vary in those two different spaces? Or is it the same across the board? And if yes, what does that certification mean? So we have something called our 10 principles and criteria. So it's like the commandments for the world. These are very basic concepts, things like you have to obey the laws in your country. You have to respect indigenous people's rights. You have to respect workers' rights. Um, you have to have a section of your forest that's protecting animal habitat, things like that. There's 10 all in total. Those are applied globally. But then what we do is on a national level, we actually break those down into more regional or practical levels. So for Canada right now, we'll be, we will have one national standard that takes these 10 principles and breaks it down to make it a more Canadian standard. And when you say we, we will have, Right. So that, that sounds like it's in the future. When is that? We already have standards in place in Canada. Um, we've had the, the first one launched, I believe, back in the early 2000s. Uh, up until 2008, we have four different standards because our forests are so different in Canada. BC is very different from the Maritimes. And so we had to create different regional variations for those. Um, but what we're doing now is we're actually putting all four of those together in one document and then creating regional variances. As far as the certification goes, what are the different levels? I mean, I know on mm -hmm. the paper you have like recycled, mixed, 100%. How do you empower consumers to understand what the logo means? After the forest has actually managed to these sort of 10 commandments or regional, st or regional standards, um, let's say it's a piece of paper. So the tree gets harvested, goes into a pulp manufacturing facility, goes through this whole supply chain until you get a piece of paper at the end of it. We actually track the product all the way from the forest through the supply chain. So we know what's still FSC certified. And that's through our forest management certification or our chain of custody certification. And then what you guys would see at the end of it is it uh, looks like a check mark and a tree. And I have buttons later which have the logo on it. I can show you later. <laughs> okay, so we see a check mark and a tree. You but it, a if, if a, a consumer wanted to dig deeper, mm -hmm. What, like, I mean, talk to me about the chain of custody, or talk to us, Okay, please. So what will happen is when you see this check mark and tree logo, you'll see it either with one of three variations. So one, it'll say FSC 100%, it'll say FSC mix, or it'll say FSC recycled. When you see FSC 100%, you'll know that it's 100% of whatever went into that product came from one of our forests. Mix is exactly what you think it is. It was mixed up with either recycled material or what we called controlled fiber. Controlled fiber is also going down another rabbit hole, but basically what it is is not all the forests in the world are certified, and so it takes in a little non-certified fiber, but also has some minimum criteria it has to meet. 
And then recycled. Recycled is probably the most interesting one for FSC because a lot of people don't get why we have a recycled symbol. I mean, you see the Mobius loop on everything. You know it's this 100 post-consumer waste. It looks like craft paper. It's good to go. But actually, the recycled symbol is in the public domain. Any one of us can print it off the internet and put it on anything we want. So how do you know it's actually post-consumer waste? Or how do you know it's recycled? You don't. What FSC does is we actually verify that it's come from a 100% post-consumer recycled content facility. Not necessarily from our fiber, but in general. When you throw your egg cartons in the recycling bin, it goes through a production facility and we track it through that system. But otherwise, you actually have no idea where it came from. Hi, Joe's Nation. I want to take a minute to acknowledge a couple of our supporters, so please listen up. This episode of Sustainable Joe's 2084 is brought to you in part thanks to the support of Bullfrog Power, Buns, and Steam Whistle. Buns hosts our podcast for free. Steam Whistle gives us their delicious premium Pilsner to sip on as we converse. And Bullfrog not only financially supported our episode, but also powered it. And all of these organizations push our content all over the internet, so thank you. And now let's get to the technical copy. First to Bullfrog Power, Sustainable Joe's 2084 live event recordings are Bullfrog powered with 100% green electricity. You too can choose green energy for your home and support the development of community-based renewable energy projects across Canada at bullfrogpower.com. For those of you who don't know, Buns is the app for decluttering your life and finding stuff you love. Recently, Eli traded a bike light he no longer needed for three apples on buns. Quite literally a sweet deal. A friend of mine, Katie, also traded a dress for a couple bath bombs. Anyways, you too can try trading today by visiting buns.com or get the app on your phone. At the end of the day, buns for trading. A big thank you also goes to Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner, from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown bottle. Quote unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. Lastly, this podcast is publicly funded. Thank you to all of those who support our monthly Patreon campaign. Our patrons are the best. If you have the capacity or would like your business to be highlighted right here on the Sustainable Joes 2084 podcast, send us a message at Sustainable Joes. That's Joes with an S. Because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes. Now back to the show. Back to you and the premise of this podcast. When you think of the year 2084, what future do you think the children of tomorrow are going to inherit, or the children of today, rather? What they're going to inherit. Well, I think this is an interesting question. It's the reason why um, we actually don't use the word sustainable in our organization. And the reason why is because we're not going to be here in the future to know that it's sustainable. We like to use the word responsible because we're trying to do the best thing for our future, but we don't really know what the result will be. So we're hoping that our kids will be able to play in a forest, that they still know what a forest is, um, that they can still continue to get product out of the forest. Because look, at the end of the day, none of us can live without toilet paper, and they'll want that too. I gotta tell you, in year one of the project, I actually did live without toilet paper. It's called a bidet. We won't go any further than that. (laughs) (laughs) What FSC work are you most proud of? I think it's the entire thing. I mean, I think it's... I'm looking for an example. An example. Okay. I think this is an interesting one. It's not going to give you warm and fuzzies, just interesting. Okay. Um, So we were actually able to go out to a forest in southern Spain, 
And we met up with the forest manager there. And he, whole, whole, the whole time he spoke in Spanish, none of us knew what was going on. <laughs> but the whole, while we were there, he was teaching us about the forest. And it was the most interesting thing for us because he was teaching us about cork production. So cork like, goes into your wine bottles and the whole thing. And I'd never known, I'd never appreciated cork. You know, you get it in your wine, you pop it and you toss it out. Nobody really keeps it unless you're on Pinterest and trying to do some DIYs, right? But if you're not, then you toss it. And I learned the entire process of how it actually works. For one, I didn't know that cork, is, you don't cut a tree down for it. You actually take the outside bark off and it actually regrows. Uh, it's a re rapidly renewable product. So once it goes through the production process, it actually has to get you know, dry, it gets boiled first, it gets put into the middle of the forest and dried, and then only afterwards, once it takes like ages to go through that whole thing, they'll finally bring it in and then do the cutouts of the cork. And just knowing how labor intensive it was and that the forest had become FSC certified to get some additional benefit or to tell people this story that cork is not something you just should just throw out. It's actually something that has really a lot of value behind it. There's people behind it. There's a much more behind it than just this product you're tossing out in the garbage. Beautiful. What does moving forward look like for FSC? Moving forward in short term or long term? Both. Both. I mean, I, I, I remember in our first conversation, Monica and I met at the Green Living Show in Toronto. And he's trying to steal my job. Well, he's not. Just, yeah, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm a pretty, pretty friendly dude. Um, and somebody who's always curious. Mm -hmm. And it, it's through curiosity and trying to discover ways to, to move our world in a more sustainable direction, to take that responsibility for our collective future. And that's the idea behind Sustainable Joes, that I ask these questions. Um, so I, I remember you had talked about every three or four years, you guys have a, an annual summit mm -hmm. or a, an international summit. I mm -hmm. believe it's this year, right? Mm -hmm. So I assume you will be talking about... Right. So every three years, we have this sort of tri-annual global conference. We get together, well, all of our certificate holders are invited. So that's 20,000 companies around the world. Um, including all of our members, so there's about a thousand of them. And our members are from all over the place. We will have, in one room, if you look at the indigenous side of things, you'll have a First Nations person from the west coast of BC sitting down with a guy from, uh, an Aborigines from New Zealand, with a Maasai warrior from Kenya, all in one room, don't speak a single language in common, but trying to figure out a solution for how to make forestry better for indigenous peoples around the world. The last two days is where they actually sit all in one room and they make the decisions for our entire organization for the next three years. So although I feel like I have a job, we actually don't make decisions. All of our decisions are done by our members, balanced by four different interests, social, economic, environmental, and Aboriginal. They make all of our decisions for us. So that's happening this October in Vancouver. What would you like to see if you could plant the proverbial seed in everybody's mind in this room? Mm -hmm. What would you like to cultivate? What idea, what, what action? Well, I think now that you know a little bit more about our organization, I hope you're more curious and want to learn more. You can always ask me questions as well. But I think ideally what we wanna do is we want, to sh we want you to be more aware. When you're out there, when you're buying products, be aware of what you're buying, look at the product, question what you're actually purchasing. I mean, we do it with food. You know you wanna buy organic for a reason or you don't care about it for a reason, but then why aren't we doing that with all our other products as well? Why aren't we looking into, well, where did this come from? Is my toilet paper cutting down some orangutan habitat in Indonesia? 
Maybe, yeah, it probably is. But look into that, look in further and, and investigate. And of course, I mean, I'll, because I work for FSC, we encourage you to look for the FSC logo because it does give you a guarantee that it's come from a responsibly managed forest. So we just crested the 20 minute mark and here is my last question before we turn it over to the audience for, for some Q&A. Based off of all of your knowledge and experience over the last near, nearly a decade with FSC, what question do you wish I would ask you? And what's the answer? <laughs> I think it's a little related to the last question, but the question would be where I see forestry going in like the next 20, 30, 40 years. And the answer, I think, for myself is I want people to see the true value of a forest. Again, I told you in the beginning that, you know, forest is not just trees. It's not just the people. It's not just the workers. There's so much more going on in a forest. Um, I'm going to go over the threshold and tell another story. It's, it's fine. But, so, you know, I most recently started working on a project for ecosystem services. And again, I'm not a forester. I have no idea what's going on with this. But what I did learn is you can actually even create... Um, benefits, financial benefits for people who are not even cutting down trees. So for example, if you have a community over here that's receiving water and there's a forest over here, the water from the rains are coming down, going through this forest and producing clean water for the community down, down river. Now what happens is X farmer gets this huge deal and says, we'll give you a million dollars to cut all your trees down now. But this community has a risk of losing all of their fresh water. What do they do? If they up the ante, these guys will be like, okay, no problem, sure, we'll keep giving you fresh water. Let's just keep really valuing and thinking about the true value of a forest. It's not just trees and water. There's so much more to it. I don't think there's a better place I could turn it over for audience questions, but before that, a little round of applause, if we could, please, everybody. <laughs> Kurt, where's Kurt? There he is. Now our next interview, but also the first question in the Q&A. We always have a thing where the, the, the two people in the, in the episodes that we record have to ask the first question. So if you please come fair. forward. But it's not fair, he's like a tree planter. <laughs> <laughs> Things I didn't know. Look at this, these little golden nuggets before, before the interview. Koji has a mic, so come up, introduce yourself please, or I mean I can, uh, you can introduce yourself, say, what you, say your name, what you do, and then ask your question. Thank you. Uh, Curtis Van Wollingham, the CEO of Hydrastore. So Monica, I was wondering it's, if I have my ratios right, you guys certified about a quarter of the world's uh, forests? I don't know the world statistic, but for, I know for Canada, um, we have approximately 16%. 16%. So I guess I'm wondering, what's the barrier to 100%? Uh, who's pushing back and what strategies are you using to, to bring them on board? Kind of seems like a no-brainer, but I'm wondering if it's just the, the money, business, economic interests that are really mm -hmm. in the way, or if there's actually hidden disputes that we don't really see from uh, our ignorance. Yeah, I think there's, um, uh, there's a couple of barriers. One is, for example, the entire province of BC is very hesitant to become certified because they think our standard is too high. They're having a hard time actually achieving it. So we're now working with them to figure out what we can manage in BC and what's realistic for them. But that's one example. I think another example is we're a voluntary organization. So this means a forest management company has to do this out of the good willingness of their hearts. Um, that doesn't happen everywhere. Some people are only in it for the money. Some people don't really care to do the responsible thing. Um, and those who are invested in it, um, they need to ensure that there's actually 
some sort of profit out of it. It's not cheap to become certified. There's costs associated to it. We're third party certified, which means we don't have any bias into who gets approved and who doesn't. It's all done by third party organizations. And so somebody's got to pay the auditor that goes in and, and ensures they're checking on the process all the time. So there's a cost barrier, um, but also then that means there needs to be a purchaser out there. There needs to be people like you, people like big organizations like the banks saying, yes, we want FSC paper or wood. And if they are doing that, that sends a message up the supply chain and to the forest manager about, well, maybe we should look into the certification thing and become certified. Next question. Mr. Berliner, also the, the star of episode six of the podcast. <laughs> CEO of CoPower, Mr. David Berliner, um, I can introduce him. Uh, you know, our governments have a great uh, role as huge purchasers of, of equipment and of different things, of products. Um, are, is our federal government and different provincial governments, are they committed to buying FSC certified paper and in all the documents that they put out and, and the rules they write? Um, yeah, so the Canadian government is is uh, interesting. So there, we do have a competitor out there. <laughs> we have a competitor out there, and uh, it's called the Sustainable Forestry Initiative. And because there are two competing certification systems, uh, the government will not choose. The government will always say, we'll just put it something in that we specify certified products, but which one of you it comes from, we're not going to choose. Um, there are, however, smaller portions of the government, provinces and cities who have a preference. The city of Toronto, for example, actually has their print shop certified to FSC. So they themselves became certified and are producing materials. Uh, but I think it depends on which government, where, and, and what they're trying to, trying to achieve there. Um, hi, I'm Nicola. I'm an engineer. I'm doing my master's right now. I've been working on research in biodegradable plastics for the last year. And one of the components that we use is microcellulose, which comes from trees. Mm -hmm. um, and there's kind of a push towards less single-use plastics that are made from non-biodegradable plastics. And I'm just wondering what your opinion is on how that might impact the forest industry, whether you think that's sustainable or responsible for the future hmm. of the forests. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. So as, you know, everyone always said, oh, with technology coming around, we're no longer going to use paper and, and forests anymore because, well, we won't need it. The reality was we still need it. We just changed what we were making. So instead of using more traditional paper, people have reduced the amount of paper they use. They've reduced maybe the, the amount of lumber they use. But now we're going into new types of products. And so uh, viscose or rayon and cellulose is a big component of our business now. Actually, um, pulp is also a big component of our business. So for example, the largest industry at the moment is our, our population is aging. So adult diapers is the biggest industry for pulp. <laughs> Um, cellulose is going into all sorts of interesting things. Um, it's going into, for example, uh, viscose and rayon are going into clothing. So you'll actually see uh, Patagonia actually launched a, an entire wetsuit out of FSC certified material. Um, you'll start seeing it at H&M soon enough. Um, Lululemon will be launching some products as well. And so you're seeing it pop up in many different industries. So in terms of your question, I think, I think what we're, we're going to see is it's going to continue to go the way it is because it's 
new products are always popping up that require the demand of that. So I don't think it'll have a huge impact on our current industry, but it might change the nature of the product. Any other question? We normally go three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We can have two more and then we're done. We'll go five each tonight. While you get the mic, I have a random tidbit on that one. So my favorite thing to gross people out about is, do you guys buy pre-shredded packaged cheese? Like you buy cheese that's already been shredded in a package? No. <laughs> well, so here's the funny thing. I'm not going to ruin it, but some people thought it was gross and some people didn't. We put it on our Facebook. And so the reason why that cheese doesn't clump together is because there's wood in it. There's <laughs> the wood actually prevents it from clumping together. And some people were like, oh, that's so disgusting. How could you do that? And I'm like, and then somebody, somebody actually came on Facebook and was like, eh, but it came from a tree. It's not that bad. So I hope it didn't ruin completely for you. It did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got to add, is it like sawdust? Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh. I've got like a two-part question. I hate being okay. that guy. But uh, the first one. Name and what you do, just for oh, context. Sorry. I'm Scott Summerhays, and I'm a videographer. Um, cool. But uh, I'm curious, what constitutes the forest exactly? Like what separates the forest from the woods? And would a palm oil farm be considered forest or woods or something in between? And then also, how much authority do you, do, does the FSC really have uh, globally um, to be able to work with these people to manage things? And what's going to stop people from offshore in mm. order to bypass any authority that you do have? Mm -hmm. that's, that's Good question. Yeah, Thanks. no, that's that's a very good question. Um, so in terms of authority, uh, again, we're a voluntary system. But the greatest impact I think our organization has is we have really great supporters. So you have, our organization was founded by people like WWF and Greenpeace, who will go out uh, and actually talk to companies on our behalf, whether we like it or not. They'll go out and tell people, you need to buy FSC. So we, through that support, we certainly are there. But that relates back to um, kind of this palm oil question. Um, when it comes to certain governments, we don't have influence. It actually takes us a number of years and discussions to get them on board. You might even have to wait for that person to quit before you can really get involved into that level of influence. Um, in terms of the difference, so in Canada, for example, we have forest management licenses. So the government figured out plots of land that can be harvested and gives a forest management uh, a license. So there's three types of forests in Canada. One is a, um, an industrial forest, which is owned by the government, but then a lease is given out to this forest management company. You then have private forests, so somebody who has a couple of hectares in their backyard or near their farm, and they're managing it as well. And then you have plantations, which you see a lot in the Maritimes. Um, our favorite uh, tissue manufacturer, J.D. Irving, who does Royale Tissue, the reason they can't become certified in Canada is because they're doing plantations. So FSC doesn't allow for plantations that were created after the year 1994, which is when we were founded, to become certified. Akila, last question for you, my friend. So hi, my name is Akhil. I'm the co-founder of Green Story. So my question has to do with what you saw is talked about the future, especially with the origin of people and how forests are valued. So right now, with the forestry industry, forests are valued depending on the biomass they create and the value they create like that. But if you look not too far into the future, there is value in the forest with the carbon sequestration they had through uh, basically offsets, right? So how is FSC going to evolve to deal with that? Is that something that you're looking into? Or? 
Yep. Um, so as I mentioned kind of my example earlier about ecosystem services, it's a new program that we're launching where we'll be looking into carbon offsets. We'll be looking into um, maybe a credit system as well. Uh, we're looking into water credits. Um, we're also looking into tourism and recreation. So for example, you can go into uh, you know, some eco-resort in Bali and know that the entire area was protected um, because they became certified. So we're looking into different ecosystem services as our new market. Um, but that's not to say that we're abandoning our old market. We'll just balance the two out together. And we're all gonna clap. Thank you, Ms. Monica Patel. That was my conversation with Ms. Monica Patel of the Forest Stewardship Council. You can find out more about the Forest Stewardship Council at fsc.org. This episode was recorded by Koji Nagata and yours truly. I also took care of the editing and music was provided by Wolf Saga. You can subscribe to Sustainable Joe's 2084 on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And please do us a favor and leave us a review while you're there. Lastly, big thank you to everyone who supports this project. And please, please, please check out our crowdfunding campaign. We have made the world's most sustainable greeting cards, and we need your support to bring them into reality. I thank you for listening, and we will be live with a new episode next week. For now, I leave you with a track from Wolf Saga. Thanks, Johnny. Oh